Thank you for tuning in to our North Point Community Church podcast. Wherever you are in your faith journey, we pray that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at ncc.team. Now, when we talk about our house habits, when we talk about um, who we have chosen to be as a community, we have to remember that these aren't habits that are just for um, this house, right? You know, I mean, you go to, you go to like the, the jump houses or you go to like an amusement park or you go to whatever, and they have rules and they have habits, and it's just for that place. But we shouldn't think about our house habits that way. These are habits that come from our mission. They come from our faith. They come from who we want to be. And so I like to say that, that our house habits can go down home to your house. They can go home to my house. I know that um, Julietta Marie, um, was, she's my second daughter, and, and she's three and a half, almost four, actually. She's two months shy of four, and she's a tornado. That's just the best description of her. She is a, she is a living tornado. She doesn't mean to be aggressive. She just was born that way. She is aggressive, aggressive. When she is being sweet, she is aggressive. And my oldest child is perfect. And so there's a problem because Carolina Lee, my oldest child, and she sometimes conflict. And I heard them talking the other day, and Carolina was getting so frustrated with her. I mean, she was just so frustrated. And she was, go away, Juju. I don't want you to da 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 And Juju just looked at her and said, but Carolina Lee, we're sisters. <laughs> and you know, our house habits really are all about us gaining that perspective. That even when we get on each other's nerves, and believe me, if you stick around here long enough, somebody's going to get on your nerves. And guess what? You may have already gotten on somebody's nerves, <laughs> right? But we love each other. We choose to love big. And we have these habits so that we can set our expectations of what we're going to do. These aren't just statements. These are things that we want to be ingrained in our hearts. And, and you know, the truth is, is that when you change your habit, you change your life, right? When you change your habit, you change your life. Carolina Lee came to me the other day, and I said, hey, did you lay out your clothes for school? She goes, oh, I've already done that. She goes, Mom, I really, I do that every time now. You don't have to ask me anymore. I said, well, that's good to know. I'm glad you're more together than your mama. That's awesome. And, uh, and she said, it's become a habit. It's become a habit. And I thought, you know, but isn't life easier when it's just become a habit? I mean, isn't, aren't the things that have become a habit in your life that are good things, don't you just kind of sometimes just you notice yourself doing them and you go, man, Life is just better since this habit came my way. And, but we have to create our habits intentionally, intentionally. They don't just happen by happenstance, right? The reason that she started laying out her clothes at night is because I would come in her room every night. Hey, lay out your clothes for tomorrow. Hey, go ahead and do this. Hey, and she would obey. She would hear me say it, and then she would obey it. And sometimes in our faith, we're like, this faith thing isn't working for me, but we're missing half the equation. We're hearing it, but we're not obeying it. And until we hear it and obey it and hear it and obey it and hear it and obey it enough times, we're not going to have the habits that are core to our life that support 
our life. And so this year, we have, um, we've been going through our house habits every month. The first one was we live on, then we love big. We all love that one, right? Yeah. We protect unity. We honor consistently. We lean in. We grow intentionally. We embrace discipline. We practice honesty. We lead out. We give generously. And tonight, we cheer enthusiastically. We cheer enthusiastically. And you know, this is a house habit that you're probably not going to have in your life unless you cultivate it. You're probably not going to just naturally fall into this habit. Well, I'm just naturally a positive person. Well, if you're just naturally a positive person, then eventually life probably is going to get to you and change your nature. We have to stay, right, positive. But more than that, we have to stay intentional because cheering enthusiastically is hard sometimes. Can we just be honest? It's hard sometimes. It's hard to cheer somebody's promotion when you didn't get the promotion. It's hard to cheer somebody's vacation when you haven't had one in a long time. It's hard to cheer somebody else's straight-A student when your kid does four hours of homework diligently and barely scrapes by with C's. It's hard to cheer the new house when you've been wanting one for a while or when you wonder why they get that. It's hard to cheer for people sometimes. It's hard. I mean, we can be honest about that, right? That's why most of us, if we aren't careful, fall into the role of critic, right? We start to criticize. We start to nitpick. We're like the, you know, the the anti-silver lining brigade, right? Well, did you hear I bought a new house? Oh, man. New houses are so much work. You would not eat. I'm just telling you. I mean, you think you know how much it's going to cost to own a house. You don't know. Did you hear me? I said I bought it. I didn't say I was thinking about buying it. I said I bought it. But it's like we want to reserve our right to say I told you so. What if we just said we want to erase our name on any I told you so cards? We just wanted to be all in, and we wanted to share in the disappointment when it went wrong. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited I got this new job, and it's amazing. And you hear about it, and you go, that's not going to be amazing. And you go, yay! And then they come back and say it wasn't that amazing, and you go, boo! And what do they feel like? They feel like you're on their team. But it's easier to be a critic. It's easier to criticize. It's easier to cut people down. It's easier to to gossip behind somebody's back. It's easier to point out the flaw. It's easier to take the sentence the wrong way. I was thinking about this the other day. What if every time somebody spoke, we just assumed the best possible meaning for that statement? What if we did, though? You know, Hmm, that sounds crazy, and yet I can see how you could mean it this way. Now, I'm not talking about being stupid, but at the same time, we all know that sometimes even in our own homes, our our spouses, our children can say something, and we take it not just the wrong way, we take it a way they didn't even mean, and then we pester them all night going, well, I don't know why you said it if you didn't mean it. I mean, if you didn't mean it, you said it. You said it. As though we've never said something wrong before. 
What if instead we looked at people's statements and we said, what you must have meant to say was this. Remember a friend of mine, he was, he, was, he was not a wise man yet. He'd been married about two years. He'd not been fully trained. And um, <laughs> he got his wife a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. <laughs> I know. I know. Some of the men are just groaning. They're just like, oh, no. Amateur. Where were his mentors, right? He got his wife a vacuum for Christmas, and he was so proud. He wrapped it up. He put a pretty bow on it. I mean, vacuums are expensive, y'all, you know? I mean, he felt so proud. And his new little bride (laughs) predictively did what? Burst into tears on Christmas morning. Is that all I am to you? Right? But what if instead she had looked at that and she'd gone, man, he listens to me. I've been complaining about our old vacuum for six months. He heard me. My husband's a good listener. Did you? Thank you for being a great listener and cheered that side and then coached him a little, but cheered, right? That's why cheering enthusiastically is so incredible. It's because it's a mindset. Because if I'm looking for something to cheer for, if I'm looking to encourage you, if I'm looking for something to be excited about, the truth is I will find it. Because the Bible says that if you seek, you will find. Cheer is defined as a shout of encouragement, approval, or congratulation. It's not passive. It's not a golf clap. We always say that. Like when we cheer for people, we are not golf clap people. We are like Tiger Woods golf people. Have you ever heard those people when they get up on the tee? The entire place goes absolutely crazy. Why? Because they love Tiger Woods. And now it's like Royal Mackelson, Royal, Royal Mackelson, Rory, 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 yes, I haven't had TV in a while. Rory, <laughs> Mackelson, everybody's excited about it. Well, they're excited. They cheer. We don't do golf claps. We do LSU fourth quarter against Alabama, and we're winning kind of cheers. We cheer enthusiastically. We shout. We get excited. You may say that's not my culture, but, but we cheer enthusiastically. We do. We cheer enthusiastically. Enthusiastically is defined as in a way that shows intense and eager enjoyment, interest, or approval. Enjoyment, interest, or approval. And there's two things that we cheer for as people and as a church. First, we cheer for Jesus. We cheer for Jesus. We do. We cheer for Jesus. We cheer for Jesus because he's worth it. Your kids over in kids' church, every single Sunday, their little 10-year-old or 11-year-old worship leader stands up and goes, we sing, we dance, we clap our hands. Why? And he points his little mic. He's so, there's the former kids' pastor. Because he's worth it. We cheer. We get excited. We're thrilled. And this is the thing, is that a relationship with Jesus will make you cheer. But religion will make you sit the party out. But a relationship with Jesus will make you cheer. In the Bible, in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, 
It says this. It says, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. And he looked at him and said, follow me and be my disciple. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. One, that's amazing, right? He got up, left everything, and followed him. A relationship with Jesus. It starts with this beautiful invitation. And then when we accept that opportunity, we get to walk away from the past. We get to walk away from the things that held us back. We get to walk away from that old identity. We get to walk away from it all. But this is, this is, this is my favorite part. And I was reading it this today, and I got so excited. It said, later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Another translation says, Levi hosted a celebration. He hosted a celebration with Jesus as the guest of honor. Wow. And it says that a whole bunch of, of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. He threw a party and invited all of his friends. But... The Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law missed the party. Man, they missed the party because they felt like it just wasn't okay to go to a party with those kind of people. If Jesus went to a party with those kind of people and he was perfect, then we can go to a party with those kind of people. And even better, we can throw a party where everybody's invited, where everybody's invited. We went to a conference this last week as a staff, and one of my favorite statements was, what if we just acted like everybody was welcome at our party? What if we just acted like everybody was welcome? Oh, well, we already do that. But, but in our heart, are there people that we hope don't come? Are there people that when we say everyone's invited, we're like, oh, but I hope they didn't hear me. I hope their invitation got lost in the mail. I hope they don't show up at the party because I don't want to deal with those kind of people. But see, we throw a party for Jesus. And when Jesus is the guest of honor, he gets to pick the guest list. And he said that everybody is welcome. Second reason that we throw a party for Jesus is because it changes us. It changes us. Here's another tax collector. Jesus had a thing for tax collectors because it changes us. Zacchaeus in Luke 19 invited Jesus to his party, and Jesus came. In fact, it's even better than that. Actually, Jesus invited himself to his house. You know, some of you are like, no, I would need at least two weeks planning. No. I mean, Jesus just said, hey, Zacchaeus, you're up in a tree because you're really short. The Bible says that he was really short, right? And he climbs a tree to see Jesus pass by, and nobody's going to let him through the crowd because he's really short, and this is their one chance to stick it to the tax collector who they all hate because he is this visual representation of cooperation with the enemy. I mean, he is a collaborator. We don't like him. So he has to climb a tree, and Jesus stops everything he's doing, 
looks up at him and says, nobody else may even want you at their party, but you're going to throw one for me. But you're going to throw one for me. Come down here. I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. And this is what's so neat is that when Jesus shows up in your house, he doesn't come alone. He doesn't come alone. The Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, here this guy is. He has killed so many Christians. He does not like Christians at all. Thinks they're terrible. Jesus shows up to him. Bright light, knocks him down, says, why are you persecuting me? Turns his whole world around. And what's the next thing he does? He sends people to Paul. And when we accept Jesus' invitation to come to our own house and to have him come to our house, he brings an entourage with him. And that entourage is the group of believers. And there is nothing that will change your life more than being planted in a church being planted in an intentional group of believers, being planted in a group, being planted in such a way that everybody, you know, kind of has to, has to get a little bit cozy, and I learn a little bit too much about you, and you learn a little bit too much about me, and we have to work through some stuff, and we had a fight, and maybe we had a text, and, and then we had to talk about it, and we had to work through some things. There's nothing that will change your life like that. There's nothing that will change your life like that. And that's why we have to throw a party for Jesus. What if Zacchaeus had said, I only wanted to see you. I just wanted to be a spectator. I wasn't looking to get involved. And sometimes we can come into church or we can even just come into our faith. And we're okay even to read the Bible, but we just want to be a spectator and we want to keep it at arm's length. And we don't want to get involved in the messiness that results from us inviting Jesus into our house or him inviting himself to our house and throwing a party for everybody. But see, it changed Zacchaeus. Jesus shows up with his whole entourage because that's how Jesus traveled right? He traveled with an entourage. And by the end of the night, Zacchaeus was repenting. He was giving his money away. He was restoring all the bad things he had done. And nowhere in there does it say that Jesus or his disciples rebuke Zacchaeus. See, the Holy Spirit can do what nobody else can do. And if we're just willing to follow Jesus into places And we'll see what the Holy Spirit can do in our community. You know, we have this beautiful mission, creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community. But if we will create Christ-centered parties where everybody's invited and we will take our Christ-centered party everywhere we go, that's how that happens. That's how culture-changing community is created. So... We throw a party for Jesus because he's worth it, because it changes us, but also because he first cheered for us. One of my favorite stories is in Luke 15, and uh, Jesus tells this story about the prodigal son. It's actually one of the most well-known stories probably, um, you know, in, in, in the world as far as uh, Christian literature and, and even literature by itself. It's a very famous story. And so there's these, these two sons, and one of them runs away from home, and, and, and he doesn't want um, to be with, with his father anymore, and he takes his inheritance, and he spoils it, and he spends it, and he ends up just losing everything, and he is feeding pigs in a foreign land. He's feeding pigs in a foreign land. And uh, 
he wakes up to himself and says, wait a minute, even the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. I'm just going to go back and see if he'll let me serve. I'm just going to go back humbly and see if maybe he'll just let me serve somewhere. I'm just going to go back and I'm going to I'm just going to see if he'll be willing. And so he starts the track back and those of us who know the story start getting excited at this point when people are telling it, right? And so he starts this track back and The Bible says, Luke tells us, that the father saw him from a long way off. That means that he was looking for him. And it says that he ran to him and that he embraced him and that he kissed him. And what did he do? He celebrated him. He cheered for him enthusiastically. He threw him a party. And what did he say? He said, my son who was lost is now found. My son who was gone is now home. He didn't take the moment to point out all the things he did wrong while he was gone. He just celebrated the one thing that he did right. And if what if we were the kind of people who didn't allow religion to make us afraid and we were just willing to cheer enthusiastically for the one thing people do right, just for the one thing, man, just the one thing. What if we got excited about that? How would that change us? How would that change our culture? How would that change our community? We, we throw a party for Jesus because he cheers for us, because he cheered first for us. And I think we need to understand that he cheers for us, even now. He's rooting for you. He's excited. You know, Julietta, um, Ella Francesca, I have a million children. But anyway, Ella Francesca, she's, she's 18 months old, maybe 15 months. I don't know. She's a third child. I don't keep up really carefully. But she just started walking. And, and she falls down all the time. I mean, she's just constantly, like, touching her toes and then standing up. And then she gets tired and she crawls a little bit. And then she's touching her toes. And then she looks at me and she takes four or five steps. And then she touches her toes and she tries and does it again. I mean, it's, it's really humorous to watch. It's awesome. It's like free entertainment. It's great. We don't have TV, so we get excited about that. And, you know, never once have I gone, you know what? There are other babies who have been walking for, like, three months and you are behind the curve. And really, to be honest, I'm, I'm not even going to cheer for you. I'm just going to walk over here. And you can come and get me whenever you want to. But I'm just telling you, this is just unacceptable. I am a bad mom compared to what Jesus and God are for fathers, right? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that even if, if your earthly father knows to do good things to you, then, oh, my goodness, how much more your heavenly father? Think of the best earthly father you know. Maybe it wasn't your dad. Maybe it was somebody you know of's dad. Maybe it's a dad in a storybook that you haven't known any good dad. But just think about that dad for a second. And God's saying, look, that person is evil compared to how good I am. And if you know how to cheer 
the little things that your kid does great. If you know how to cheer the little successes, if you know how to cheer potty training, if you know how to cheer all of these things, then don't you think that I know how to cheer for you when you're finally, oh, man, I guess I should act this way. Oh, man, I guess I shouldn't do this. Oh, man, I guess I should serve. Oh, well, you're two years behind. You've been in church two years, and how dare you not already be serving and in a group and in a Bible study and teaching and da-da-da, and, and the enemy will lie to us and say we're behind. And God's just going, oh, my gosh, did you see my girl? She took two steps this week. God cheers for you. And if you can ever grasp that in your soul, if you can ever get a new picture of God to replace that old religious one of him looking at you and loving you and cheering for you, it'll change the way you worship. It'll change the way you serve. It'll change the way you live. It'll change everything about your journey because we cheer enthusiastically because he first cheered for us. The second thing is we cheer for each other. We cheer for each other. And just if you wanted clarity on who each other is, we cheer for everyone, all the people. We cheer for the 150,000 churches on Airline Drive. Right? Have you ever driven up and down Airline Drive? There are a lot of us. And we cheer for all of them. And we try to call out their names as often as we can. I'm so grateful for Asbury and their commitment to missions. My goodness, they're so faithful to send missionaries all over the world. I'm so grateful for Airline Baptist and their flags because they are so cool. And I drive down and they wave and they're just all. I'm so grateful for all of the churches. I'm grateful for First Baptist and what they're doing with youth sports. I'm grateful for Cyprus and how it's growing. I'm grateful, aren't you? I mean, wouldn't it be depressing if we were the only people doing anything for God in this area? Wouldn't that be just so sad? But instead, we're on this big team, and when they have an awesome Sunday, I can cheer for them. And when they have a great event, I can get excited about what they're doing, and I can cheer enthusiastically because when everyone really means everyone, there's always something to cheer about. When everyone really means everyone. And I don't get intimidated and start losing my identity because of what God's doing to, through, and for somebody else. Then I can cheer enthusiastically. We cheer for each other because we need it. We need each other. We need each other. It transforms us when we choose to begin cheering for each other. The second reason that we cheer for each other is because God created us to be on the same team. Galatians 3 tells us there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And the thing is, is the reason that he picks those three categories is those were the three biggest um, categories in his world at that time. There were Jews and Gentiles. It was very clear cut. There was slave and free. And then there was male and female. And male and female was not just a gender thing. It was a, a, a legal role thing. It was a authority thing. It was an ability to dictate your own life thing. And so what he's saying is whether you occupy a privileged position or whether you occupy another position, it's all the same in Christ. He created us to be on the same team. And when we're on the same team, doesn't it just create some camaraderie? 
Pastor Clarissa and Dale are huge Cowboys fans. Now, I don't know if Dale, are you really a Cowboys fan? You're not a Cowboys fan? This is news. I'm sorry. Hold on. Who do you cheer for? I don't know who that is. The Kansas City Chiefs. This is exciting. All right. I've learned something new. Okay. Well, that's awesome. All right. They are not on the same team. Okay. (laughs) But I have seen what Pastor Clarissa looks like when she meets another Dallas Cowboy fan. She likes them more. It's just true. She really does. In fact, Dale, I would suggest that you change your allegiance. But she just, she likes them. Why? Because they instantly have something in common. They're just, they're just on the same team. They, they may not know anything about each other. They're just on the same team. They cheer for the same thing. They cheer together. And the thing is, is the reason that sometimes whenever we stand up and we kind of poke you and say, hey, we want you to stand up too, is because a church that cheers together can create Christ-centered, culture-changing community together. Because that means that we're on the same team. We cheer together. If you ever feel separated from somebody and you just are kind of like, oh, this is just awkward, find something to cheer about in their life. Find something to cheer about in their life. Just decide to get on their team. It shocks people. I, I'm really, I'm, it, it completely shocks people when you just get excited for their thing, and, and sincerely so. There's an incredible group of church planners that has come um, to this area from up north. All the northern states are the same to me. It's up north. And... Um, They're not really, and it's like western north. Maybe it's Montana. Let's just say it's Montana, but it's a group of church planners. And they came to our church, and we met them, and I was so excited. And I got, you're a church planner, and you're coming to our area? Are you kidding me? I'm so, is there anything we can do to help Because this is the thing, if God is sending people to plant churches in this area, that must mean he's planning to do something in this area, and I'm in this area, so that's exciting. But do you know what's so awesome? It's because we cheer for them, because we realize that we're on the same team, we have a connection, we have a connection. We, 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 we don't have to worry about, well, do they like us? Do they not? No, we're cheering for the same thing. We're cheering for this city to be taken. We're cheering for racism to go away. We're cheering for Christ-centered culture changing community or however they say it to happen here. And so because I'm cheering for them, they know that I'm for them, and we don't have to worry about all this, and we can just run this way. It's important that we know that we're on the same team. And if you want to be on the same team, you can't be in the sit-back spectator role with the other people around you. I want to be the kind of church that people don't feel embarrassed to say, I got a promotion. I'm serious. Um, she's not here, I don't think, tonight. But Ashanti got a promotion. The girl, uh, a woman in the church, and she's, she's unbelievable. She got a promotion. That's exciting. She is here. There you are, Shanti. Y'all, she got a promotion while she was on sick leave. Who does that? How 
much of a boss do you have to be for them to call you while you are out for six weeks and say, guess what? We missed you so much, we're giving you a promotion. I mean, are you kidding me? You know what? I want us to be the kind of church that when something good happens in your life, you can't wait to get here on Sunday and tell 10 people because you know that nobody's going to go, oh, well, you must think you're special. Everybody's going to go, yes, that's awesome. Did you hear another point for the team? Because when you win, I win. And I don't have to be sitting over here measuring my life just by what's happening in my life. I can look around and be excited about what God's doing in you. I can be excited about the mission that's birthed in your heart. I can be excited about what God's flowing through you. I can get excited. Why? Because I have a habit of cheering enthusiastically. And I decided a long time ago that even if you say something that I wanted, then I'm going to cheer for you like I got it myself. We cheer because God created us to be on the same team. You know, our silence says so much when we don't cheer. Our voices are missed. Well, everybody else is cheering, but your voice is missed. Your voice is missed. Your family misses your voice when you don't cheer. Your church misses your voice when you don't cheer. Your office misses your voice when you don't cheer. When we don't cheer, I remember Carolina Lee, she's so precious, my oldest. She very much likes affirmation, and um, we've trained her that way. And uh, I remember she was about three years old, and she did something. She looked at me and goes, clap for me. What if we looked at the people in our life realizing that most of us are screaming that? Clap for me. Celebrate with me. Get excited for me. I worked hard for this. I did something great. I beat something that I've been fighting for 20 years. Would somebody get excited and cheer for me? And the final reason, and you can come up and play the piano, Philip or whoever's going to play it is that we cheer enthusiastically because Jesus commanded it. We cheer enthusiastically because Jesus commanded it. In John 15, 12, Jesus says this before he goes to the cross. He says, a new commandment I give you, my commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. Well, Destiny, we already talked about we love big. That was in February. It's very nicely timed with Valentine's, and it was great. That was good. No, it's about, it's kind of progressive. (sighs) Part of loving big is cheering enthusiastically. Part of loving big is leaning in and getting excited about somebody else's life. And it's an action. It's not passive. It's not passive. One of the most heartbreaking moments, and, and you know, Philip and I have been youth pastors, we've been pastors, we've been assistant pastors, we've been servant leaders, we've done a lot of different things in the church. One of the saddest moments is, is when you sit down with a couple, or you sit down with a father and a son, or a, or a mother and a daughter, and and they say, you never said this, or you never said you loved me, or, or you never were excited for me, or you were never proud of me. And the other person looks just completely shocked. And they say, didn't you know? Didn't you know I loved you? Didn't you know I was proud of you? 
Didn't you know that you were my favorite? Didn't you know? Let's make sure everybody in our life knows that we cheer for them. Let's not wait. Let's not let them wonder. Let's not let them guess. Let's not them, let them guess, am I for you? Let's choose to, and you know what? Let's not just cheer for the easy people to cheer for. Let's cheer for the hard people to cheer for. Let's find those people and let's cheer for them enthusiastically. Love them the way that Jesus loved us. Would you stand right now? We cheer for each other. We cheer for the things that that we wish people would cheer for us about. But we also just cheer for other people's things. Just cheer for them. We cheer for each other because we're on the same team. God placed us on the same team. We cheer for us each other because we cheer for Jesus. And Jesus first cheered for us. And we don't just passively cheer. We cheer actively and enthusiastically. Actively and enthusiastically. Actively and enthusiastically. Who in your life needs you to cheer for them right now? Because that's how we create Christ-centered culture-changing communities. We just take these habits and we put them into action. How can you cheer for the people in your life more? How can you choose to not just be a hearer, but also a doer? Tonight, um, we went out and we got thank you cards. We got thank you cards for all of you. Where are my thank you card people? There they are, wonderful. All right, great. We're going to pass everybody out a thank you card. It's actually not a thank you card. It's a blank card. We're going to pass them out right now. And then we're going to pray over them. Because I have a Creating Christ in Our Culture Changing Community project for our church for this week. You may say, Destiny, I don't have good handwriting. Nobody's going to care. You say, I don't know what to say. Just say, I'm cheering for you. Just say, I noticed what you did right. Just say, I think you're awesome. Just say, I don't know if I've ever told you. There's somebody in your life this week who needs you to cheer for them. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's the coworker who nobody really cheers for them and they don't cheer for anybody else. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's somebody that is in another state and you're going to have to go get stamps from the post office. But in a moment, we're going to pray. And we're going to remind ourselves that Jesus is cheering for us, but that we also need to cheer enthusiastically for those around us. Are we done? Does everybody have a card? Is anybody missing a card? No? All right, let's just pray. Can you just lift those cards up just like this? God, I thank you for every card that's in every person's hand. Lord, I thank you that there's some people this week who they need encouragement. And you're going to use us, each one of us, to encourage them, 
to cheer for them enthusiastically. God, I pray that right now that we would get a new revelation of you looking at us and cheering for us, being proud of us as our dad, as our dad. And I pray that you would put somebody on every person in here's heart, a person who needs to be cheered for this week. And we commit to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Here at North Point Community Church, we believe in creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community through the message of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like more information, you can visit our website at ncc.team or follow us on any social media platform at CC North Point.